0: 26 er family, welcome to another episode of the December26er podcast. I am your host, delicia We are officially at episode 13. I don't know how that happened. Time truly does fly, but I am enjoying the ride. And based on your feedback, I think you're enjoying the podcast too. So we're going to continue to push. We've got some ideas and some interviews we're working on. And thanks so much for sticking with us in the interim. So let's get right into it. Today's episode was inspired by a conversation that I've had pretty frequently lately with a number of different people. And they all seem to be in the same predicament. And I'm sure that a few of you, at least, who listen to the podcast are probably experiencing the same thing right now. And because I've been talking about it so much, it's been weighing on me and taking up a lot of space in my head. And usually when I have something nagging me like that, I need to talk about it. And this podcast is a great place to do that. Um, So what I want to touch on today is this epidemic of people feeling like they're in a rut and they're out there applying to jobs, submitting resumes or trying to get their small business or new endeavor going by promoting it on the Internet to their social networks, et cetera, and not really getting a return. I have been in that situation and I know how frustrating it can be when you feel like you're doing the work to get some kind of response, but you can't seem to catch a break and get to the next level. And if it happens enough, if you continue to push and push and push, keep submitting those job applications, keep pushing out resumes, keep pumping your business online and you're not getting a return on your effort, it can be an extreme blow to your self-esteem. And before you know it, you feel like you're in a dark hole and can't figure out how to move forward. And after about the fifth or sixth person that I talked to, specifically those who are on the job hunt, I got a little bit curious because I feel like so many people are are in this scenario of, Really strong candidates, can't find a position on the web, not even getting called for an interview or not getting past the first stage. And I wanted to know what was really going on. So I started doing a little bit of research on statistics. And what I found was interesting. And by interesting, I mean pretty disappointing. Uh, So here we go. Here are some of the stats that I found. On average, 4 million job postings appear online per month. However, only 35.5% of jobs are filled from job boards or corporate career sites. On average, 245 people apply to a single online job posting, yet only 7% of online applicants actually get an interview. Eighteen percent Only 18% of companies actually send an email to candidates that they passed on when a position has been filled. And last but not least, I found this statistic to be the most startling. 68% of available jobs are never posted online. So all of these stats tell a story. What are they telling us? That applying for jobs online is just not going to get it. Let's just keep it all the way real. For the large majority of us, you're not going to find your next big break or your next big opportunity through the web. And I'm speaking specifically to those who are seeking to be employees. I think if you were to look up statistics for people who are promoting businesses online, I think the results would be equally as abysmal. And I'm speaking from experience. I've seen it happen with me, with people that I know. You've got this great new business that you're launching or a new product and you spam your friends and connections on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. And the response in the beginning is great. People are supportive and they're like, go you. And they're sharing whatever it is that you're trying to promote. But all of that dies off after a couple of days or a week or two. And then you're thinking, what's next. I had the initial noise on the web with my personal network, but I can't really extend that into something that's a legitimate online marketing scheme. Whether you're applying for a job or pushing a business, the story is the same. Just clicking a button and submitting things on the web is not a real strategy. It may feel hard in the moment, but it's not really hard. It's actually just tedious and it's not going to yield the outcome that you really want. And the stats make that clear. The writing is on the wall. Less than a third of available jobs are posted online. So let's say you see one of these jobs and you decide to throw your hat in the ring. You submit your resume and you are one of 245 people who do that. And let's just say for argument's sake that the recruiter or the employer is actually taking the online application process seriously and parsing through these resumes. And you are selected. You are one of the seven percent who are selected for an interview. And if we're talking about 245 people, that means you're one of 17 on average who's selected. Even if you get the interview, you are still competing with the whole population of people who applied for the same position through different means. And the stats tell us that these employers are two thirds more likely to select a candidate who did not apply online. Now, why does this happen? It's not because all online applicants are terrible or they're not up to snuff. You may be wholly qualified for the positions that you're applying to. I know plenty of people with stellar resumes who can't even get a bite when they submit through the Internet. That's not it at all. I want to give you at least one explanation. Let me let you in on a little secret. Oftentimes when positions hit the web, when job postings hit the web, they've already gone through a level of circulation through uh, employees who may work for the same company who may be in one position, but interested in moving to another position. They may be circulated to people's professional networks with a note that says, hey, this job isn't up yet, but it's coming. We're looking to fill it. If you know anyone qualified who might be interested, please feel free to email me the resume or email the HR department with their information or pass this on to them. Before it even gets to you on the web, nine times out of 10, several other people have already had a bite at the apple. They've already been tipped off to this position becoming available. And not only that, they also have someone in many cases vouching for them who says, I know this candidate. They're really strong. Please take a look at them and give them an interview. And you may already know this to be true, but I'm sure you're probably still kicking your resume out via the web. And you are not alone. I think the number right now is 120 million. That's the number of U.S.-based resumes currently stored on job websites. We've all done it. I know that I have. And unless you are a career entrepreneur, you've probably applied to some position online too. And why? Why do we do it? It's because it's the path of least resistance. Yes, as I mentioned before, it is tedious, but you can sit there, scroll through some job postings. something sounds interesting, take the time to actually just put your information out there and and submit your resume. Unfortunately, the path of least resistance is also often the path of least results. Now, the probability of finding your dream opportunity online is low, but it's not impossible. However, I just think there are other ways to get better results. If you ask me, relationships yield better results. You really want to make some stuff pop, be it finding a really great job or getting your business going, get to know people, build that Rolodex. And that is what I really want to talk about today. How do you do a better job of connecting with people and maximizing the time when you actually get a few moments to talk to them face to face? I want to focus specifically on lunch dates and coffee dates. How do you maximize those meetups over coffee or over a meal to make them work to your benefit? Now I am a firm believer that careers and businesses can live or die by relationships. And I am speaking from experience, the best jobs and business opportunities that I have had did not come from the internet. I built an entire practice just by creating the appropriate relationships, which served as feeder sources for me for other opportunities, either for clients directly or for me to have a new platform to promote my brand, which brought some incredible clients to me. So I'm speaking of what I know. And in addition to that, I've been on the other side of it. I get people asking me to meet up every week. Somebody's asking to have 30 minutes of my time or an hour or something. So I know of what I speak. So let's say you are starting at the bottom. You're starting at ground zero. You know a lot of people, but you don't know a lot of the right people. You don't have a lot of influencers and connectors in your life. And if you've listened to prior episodes, you know what I mean by that and you know why they are so crucial. If you are looking to build that contact list, it's not enough to just start identifying your targets and inviting them to coffee or to lunch. It's pretty formulaic, but you got to do it the right way. So here are a few crucial steps you got to take in the process. Number one, when you go to invite someone out to meet you and it's readily apparent that it's primarily for your benefit... You have to make it easy for them. I can say this with almost 100% certainty. Most people want to help, but most of us are just incredibly busy as it is. So when you're reaching out to someone and you're not getting a response, one or two things is happening here. Either they're so busy that they literally cannot respond to your message, or this is more likely, in my opinion, they really want to help more often than not. It's not that they don't want to meet up. It's just that they have so much going on as it is and they read your message and they realize, even if it's just subconsciously, that it's going to take a lot of effort to sort out logistics before you actually get to a scheduled date. And they just don't want to deal with it right now. So they say, I'll come back to it. If you do some of that legwork for them, where all it really requires is a couple of responses and it's on the calendar, it's all set, you might get a higher response rate. So here's how you make it easy for them. First and foremost, state the exact purpose for the meetup. Do not say, please, please, please do not say, hey, I'd like to take you for coffee to pick your brain. Or I just want to learn more about what you do. Way too vague. I have been on the other end of those emails and they always make me suspicious. Unless the sender is like 16, 17 years old and still finding their way. I'm thinking one of two things is about to happen. Either somebody is trying to get free consultations out of me as a lawyer or um, they don't really have a direction for the conversation. So they're going to come in, just sort of pelt me with whatever questions come to mind and hope to get something out of it. And that's not an effective use of their time or mine. You don't want to be that person without direction when you reach out to these folks. So when you invite them to a meetup, make sure that your intentions are clear and the purpose is precise. Let's say you are an aspiring journalist. Let's just use a random example. You reach out to someone who's very successful in the space. Email should start like this. Dear so-and-so, I really enjoy your work, particularly that piece that you wrote on X, Y, and Z. I am an aspiring journalist, and I really would like to have a conversation with you, preferably over coffee or lunch, in which we talk about how you made the transition from a print magazine to an online media outlet. And I'd really like to discuss the appropriate ways to bolster my portfolio to gain the attention of an online news editor period. That's the first part. So you see how that's much more directed than I'd like to meet with you just to pick your brain. See what I'm saying? Hopefully you get it. Okay, here are a few other ways that don't require a lot of effort on your part, but will make it really easy for the person you are inviting out. I like to offer up specific dates and times. So I don't send a message that just says, hey, let me know when you're available. If it's somebody I'm really trying to meet with, I give them generally three options. And I never choose a date and time in the same week that I am actually sending the message or extending an invitation. I usually try for two specific dates and times in the following week and then one in the week after that. And what I have found is that people are more apt to make a choice when they're given specific options as opposed to just having an open-ended request and they now have to go into their calendar and figure out what works for you and for them. And even if they can't make any of the three dates that you put forth, usually they'll respond in kind and offer some alternatives to whatever you suggested. And in addition to giving those date and time options, you also want to make clear that you will select a location that is convenient to wherever they are. So if you know they're coming from their office, you can say, I found these three restaurants or coffee shops that will work or wait for them to tell you where they're going to be. And you find something that's going to be really easy for them to get to and is not going to take another half an hour out of their day just to commute to your desired meetup location. It's a small thing, but I'm telling you, people appreciate it when they don't have to think about any of that, particularly if they're coming from their office and they know you selected a place two doors down. They just got to run out from one meeting and go to yours, a much higher success rate if You go about it that way. Also, once you agree to a date, time and location, explicitly set out the logistics for actually meeting them. It sounds ridiculous, but how many times have you gone to meet a friend at a new restaurant or somebody you haven't seen in a while and you get there and you have no idea whether they're at a table? You didn't make a reservation or in their car or still on the subway or whatever. So you're texting like, I'm here. Are you here? Where are you? You're talking to the hostess trying to figure out if your friend is present. Happens all the time. It's just one of those things that we don't think about till we actually show up to a cafe or a restaurant. And it's a problem if the place is big. So normally what I will do is once everything is set in stone, I'll tell them I'm going to show up. I'll probably be there a few minutes early and I'll wait for you at the door. Or I'll say I'm going to get there early and get us a table. I'll leave your name with the host. Something where they don't have to get there and look around and figure out where you are, especially if they don't know what you look like. Now, here's a pro tip. When you show up to meet someone and you get a text or an email from them stating that they are running late, go ahead and ask if you can order for them. It seems like just a kind gesture, but it actually serves a specific purpose. When they finally arrive, you want as much time as possible for you and for substantive conversation. You don't want them all flustered with the menu, trying to get something in with the server, making up for lost time, et cetera, et cetera. And it also just makes you look like a thoughtful person who's just not another vulture trying to figure out what you can get from them. It goes a long way. Trust me. Okay. Those are all the ways to make it easy for them. Moving right along. Next way to maximize the meetup, do your research. You probably have heard this before, but I want to break it down into three specific categories. Before you set foot in a coffee or lunch meetup with someone who you want to build a relationship with to help advance your career or advance your business, you need to be researching in three specific categories. You need to research the person, research the relevant industry, and research current events. The first and the second one, they're probably self-explanatory. You want to go into it knowing as much as you can about them. It'll help you to form smart questions. They will be impressed that you've done your research. And frankly, people just love talking about themselves. So they'll probably respond in great detail. Now, when it comes to researching the relevant industry, personally, I can tell how committed someone is to a path by how much they know about it. You're coming to me for advice. I understand that. But I want to know that you set the proper foundation. You've devoured as much information as you can on a subject. And now you're looking to hear about my specific experience or maybe some insider secrets that I may have that I can share with you. But if you're coming to me asking about the basics, that's a huge red flag. And I can guarantee you that other people will feel the same. Okay, the third category. Why do you want to research current events? Because folks just like talking to informed individuals. I'm not saying you have to be an expert on all the news of the day. You don't need to be able to unpack the Russia investigation. I'm not saying that. But just peruse CNN, know what's going on in the world and know what's going on in entertainment or sports or something to help the conversation remain interesting if they choose to make small talk. Not everybody will want to do that, but a lot of people will want to know what your opinions are on current events or what have you. And you just want to make sure that you have an, enough of a foundation to at least say something. You don't want to sound like a robot who's there for one purpose and one purpose only. Be able to have an interesting statement or two to throw out about whatever. Whatever's popular in the news at the moment. Now, this actually brings me to my next tip because even though you've prepared all of this miscellaneous information and you're all ready to have an interesting conversation if it comes to that, you need to be sure to lead in strong and mirror their temperament. And what I mean by lead in strong is be prepared to state again the reason why you're there. So you can say something like this early in the conversation. As I stated in my email or as I stated in the phone conversation, I really wanted to meet up with you to talk about X, Y, and Z. You want to do this because even the most busy, focused people on the planet sometimes just want to shoot the breeze. And out of respect for them, you may allow them to derail the conversation. And before you know it, you've spent 25 minutes on small talk and you haven't even achieved what you've really wanted to out of the meeting and they're going to have to go soon. So you have to keep it on track in some instances. But while you're doing so, also be sure to mirror their temperament. And what that means is match their vibe. If they're coming off as super lax and witty, then you need to be really relaxed. I'm not telling you to pretend to be something that you're not, but if they're trying to crack little jokes and keep the conversation light and you're not smiling and you're very rigid and you're like, okay, that's cool, but back to what we're here to talk about, it's going to make for a very disjointed and uncomfortable conversation. Now, in the alternative, if they are strictly business and come in and cut right to the chase, don't go trying to make them loosen up. That's going to cause an awkward end. They're going to feel probably disrespected and like you're not taking it seriously. So this is a dance and it's not something that comes naturally to everyone. But the more you do it, the more experience you get with this, the more skilled and adept you will be at it. And after a while, you'll walk away from these conversations feeling like you've had what felt like a free-flowing discussion, but really was an effective meetup that was orchestrated completely by you. Well, I have a few more tips, but I don't want to inundate you right now. I try to keep these episodes within a certain runtime. And if that means I have to split them into a part one and part two, I will do that. So that's what we'll do here. We'll call this part one and I'll come back next week and give you the remainder of the tips. In the interim, mull it over. Start to implement some of them. You've got enough to get you started. Build your target list and start to reach out to people and try to get on their calendars. Start there and I'll come back and give you a few more ways to help to maximize it when you actually do meet with them in person. Listen, I know it can be hard to get noticed out here. I know you're doing what you can to get ears and eyes on whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. And I know what's going to happen for you. I believe that wholeheartedly. If you are listening to this podcast, you are a 26er. That means you are working to exhaust your potential. And even though things may not be working out as you thought they would right now, do not dismay. Do not fall into a state of despair. The tide will turn. I can promise you that this podcast is part inspiration, part practicality. Today's episode was heavy on the practicality because I want you to have the necessary tools to not have to sit around and wait for change to find you, but for you to be able to make that change happen. That is my goal for you. That is my wish for you. And we're going to walk this walk together. So until next week, take it all in and take a step or two. As always, don't forget to rate, review, share and subscribe to this podcast if you're enjoying it. Please spread the word. Much appreciated. And last but not least, do not forget to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Thank you for listening to the December 26th er podcast. I am your host, Delicia. This episode was produced by Demarcus Edisa, and music was provided by Thovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26er. That's December 26ER.